Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. And joining me to break down our 2019 NFL team power rankings are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy pros rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of I'll Take That Bet on ESPN+. You can follow them in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker. And Chris Raybon, use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets. Gentlemen, jump ball if you want. Go get it. How's it going? It's going well, man. Um, I think uh, this week we probably have a little more exciting uh, intro to talk about than our, our chairs and, and the level of squeakiness. Got a chance to go out to L.A. this weekend and met up with Mr. Corner over here, who apparently – Knows all of the popping spots on Sunday afternoons, which I don't know if I was quite ready for. <laughs> what what qualifies as a popping spot on Sunday afternoon? I mean, so we were at this really cool. Um, it was like, what was that a whiskey bar, Sean? No, rum bar. Oh no, no, before, but yeah. th- 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 that was the first. Oh place? yeah, no, the first place was yeah, just some you know fancy cocktail place. Yeah, so I mean, we started there, you know, um, we had these uh, really good smoked old fashions, but, um, you know, we, we decided to, you know, make a little move and uh, Sean is like, yeah, I know this, I know this rum bar and, uh, you know, we go, it's like in the back of this like warehouse, no, like a garage, it's like a, almost feels like a secret door and like we go in and it's just like way too lit for a Sunday afternoon. I mean, <laughs> all I know is I was holding a coconut at one point, like I, I, <laughs> like a real coconut. <laughs> it's a secret spot. It's right by Staples Center, so usually, usually it's a good post Lakers, Clippers, Kings game type of place. But yeah, Raybon was not prepared, but loved every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, our guy from the Action Network, uh, Justin Fan, also came out. So shouts to Justin. Follow him if you uh, like making money on on NBA. Uh, I guess that's why he uh, didn't make any bets on on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, I'm pretty disappointed that you guys think whatever's happening in California is better than whatever is happening in Iowa. I mean, I don't know. I haven't what what's happening in Iowa. I have to say whatever's <laughs> happening in Iowa because I don't know what happens here. But uh, yeah, if I mean, you ever uh, come to uh, the state of corn, I will find something for you guys to do. I'm not even. I'm not even making this up. Uh, you, we, we did discuss this. Uh, Sean and I did discuss coming coming to see you at this. Uh, at said uh, cocktail bar on, on Sunday, so it might it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, we we do need to get the uh, the triumvirate together at some yeah. point. That would be good. Okay, we had a big big NFL call yesterday. Uh, let me rephrase that. It wasn't massive in terms of the number of people on the call. It was massive because we were on the call and we are titans. We were running through the fantasy football tools that we we're going to have available in July for Action Network subscribers. We're going to have more to say about our uh, fantasy football package in future episodes. It's called the tease. It's a long-term tease. It's a multi-episode tease. Very exciting. For this episode, we're going to run through our power rankings. Sean, Chris, and I uh, have a new piece on the Action Network in which we rank all 32 NFL teams. As the season gets closer, we, uh, of course, will release a more detailed breakdown of our rankings with against the spread utility Keep an eye out for those. Another another long term tease. Look at that. Wait, wait, wait. You just said we are we are Titans. The, does that make you Marcus Mariota? No, not the actual <laughs> NFL. <laughs> we oh. are large in our brains. So, so you're saying the Titans aren't? They're, they're not large in their brains. They're not. They're not sharp. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Based on our <laughs> rankings, the Titans are not good. Oh, uh, for Titans fans. I, I still remember this Titans fan who just was so upset while we were like going back and forth over the Texans and the, uh, and the Colts, just like, why are you leaving us out? And here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> yes. Those, uh, those Titans fans, they are very passionate. I mean, it's, it's good. You got to, you got to support your team. So I, I don't mind. Okay. Let's talk about our, our power rankings. And Sean, I kind of want to kick it to you because you are the guy last year and throughout the off season who has really been handling a lot of what we do with our, our power ratings. Can you explain 
just kind of basic level, like what they are, how they should be used. Yeah. So the, I would describe them as, you know, they're just a continuous rating system I have. So I'm, you know, first right off the bat this year, I'm rolling them over from last year. Um, so then I'm updating them based on any personal changes, uh, people coming back from injury. A great example would be, you know, the 49ers last year um, when Jimmy G got hurt, uh, I think it was like week two, you know, I lowered them about five to six points in my power ratings. Um, and they pretty much stayed there all year. Um, and now that he's back, they get those five to six points back. So, you know, I'm, I'm putting together updated based on all the rosters. I did a piece on the draft and how that changes things. For what this purpose is, it doesn't change much. Um, those are more long-term pieces, obviously. But yeah, going into this year, my ratings are specifically meant to be, you know, projecting what the week's, week one spreads will be. So I'm essentially trying to predict where Vegas will have the lines. Um, and then, you know, after week one, uh, I update everything and I predict what the week two lines are going to be. So they're very specific to, you know, projecting what the point spread will be. So um, I have specific values for every team. You can check out my piece on that. And uh, I update those throughout the season based on any injuries or, you know, recent play, uh, just pretty much everything. Hey, Sean, quick question. Yeah. Where So you said um, you had Jimmy G about five, five and a half to six points. Just curious as to where that ranks among quarterbacks. Like, is that top 10? Is that you know, middle of the pack or what for you? Yeah, he's pushing top 10. I think with him, it's also about the drop-off for the quarterback. You know, they had uh, C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullen, so that's a pretty big drop-off. Um, whereas, you know, like Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, it was practically zero. But this year, it'll be... You know, yeah. five to seven points with Nate Sudfeld. So I'll mention that earlier with the Eagles, but you know who the backup is plays a large role in that. So, um, so yeah, I don't think Jimmy G is necessarily a top ten QB, but with, with the gap between the backup, he's certainly up there. How dare you, no. <laughs> Rayvon? Let's talk a little bit about your methodology in which you were creating the power rankings. What are some of the things that you looked at to try to uh, come up with some numbers here? Sure. So um, I think they're pretty similar to Sean's in that, um, you know, they're not necessarily trying to predict lines as, as much as they're what I think the lines um, should be. So I'm not sure if that's exactly what you meant, um, Sean. But yeah, it's, it's just what a team, what a team's point differential would be against an average team on a neutral field. That is what my rankings are. And then I, you know, I can obviously um, adjust it for individual matchups like, you know, home fields and, and things like that. And so what's weighted most heavily is going to be the passing game, you know, passing, stopping the pass. That tends to be the biggest factor in point differential. Um, and then, you know, to a lesser extent, factoring in the rushing game, special teams. And then um, a lot of these ra- ra- ratings are going to be a lot closer than maybe maybe people would think, especially, you know, when you're within the margins um, in, in the middle, but even so- even sometimes at the top and bottom. And so um, I also have uh, incorporate kind of an, an intangible aspect to it where, um, I'm adjusting for for essentially how well I think the organization is run and how well I think they're coached. So essentially teams that I think are more likely than not to kind of outplay their talent level on the field um, or teams that I think are less likely. So a team, a, an example of a team that I think will play better than even the talent they have on the field is a team like the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, they've shown the ability to um, kind of acquire the players that that really fit their scheme. They've been really good at developing young players with with uh, GM Chris Ballard and and, and Coach Frank Wright and, and defensive coordinator Matt, coordinator Matt Eberflus. Um, they've also come up with really good game plans. And so I think that when you look at that team, um, maybe they're you know in, in terms of raw talent, they're like seventh or eighth. But I actually have them third in in my power rankings because I think they're just one of those teams that um, could exceed that. And um, on the other end, you have a team like maybe the Jets who. Um, you know, I think Sam Darnold probably makes a second year leap. They're probably a little better than they were last year. But, you know, there's also some things to really be worried about that I think could pull him down. You know, things like you have a first year coach in Adam Gase, who's an offensive minded guy with Greg Williams, uh, who's been very kind of up and down. We know that the, the roster is not necessarily molded in the image of, of what Gase wanted to do because they fired GM Mike McCagnin. So you have all these kind of factors that are kind of warning signs to where even if you know, Darnold is, you know, makes the leap that we expect. Um, I think the team could kind of struggle in other areas that may pull them down. So that's, that's kind of the thing that I implement um, to kind of get a little more separation between the teams. Rayvon, I would just like to point out that you had the Colts power ranked third and the Texans 10th. Just wanted to mention that. In <laughs> I mean, 
there's no uh, no bias here, man. I like the Texans, but <laughs> uh, I see, I see. Uh, there's there's some teams better than, them. but I mean, I think tenth is, I would say probably higher than many. I would think have them uh, just in the market in general probably have them ranked. Mm-hmm. On the uh, the topic of power, I quickly want to talk about erectile dysfunction. Uh, studies show that seventy percent of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. But thankfully, because of Roman, there's an easy way to chat with the doctor online. Uh, Sean, Chris, isn't that great news? Uh, just you know, bringing you guys into the conversation <laughs> a little bit. Let me tell you about the good folks at Roman. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash NFLPod and talk with the doctor. If you and the doctor decide that treatment is appropriate, you can get genuine FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in unmarked packaging with, get this, free two-day shipping, which is just a, a an added cherry on top of the Sunday that is ED medication. Guys, go online and consult with your doctor. There's no reason you can't turn your ED into some EF, if you know what I'm saying. For a free online visit and free two-day shipping, go to getroman.com slash NFLpod. That is getroman.com slash NFLpod. For a free online visit and free shipping, GetRoman.com slash NFL pod. Okay, guys, let's talk about our consensus top five. Not a surprise. Number one, we have the Chiefs unanimous. I mean, Sean, talk about the Chiefs and why you are bold enough to have them ranked number one. Well, in honor of our sponsor, uh, I will say this, the Chiefs, they shot up to number one <laughs> during the season last year uh, when uh, Patrick Holmes exploded uh, in his... <laughs> personal season but you know going into this year with Tyreek Hill you know questionable to even be on the team I actually ran a Twitter poll to kind of get a sense of you know what percent chance people think that he's going to be playing and people polled at about 56 percent said he won't play a single game this year so I'm, I'm assuming he won't be playing so I actually docked them a full point I had them a full point over my second ranked team um I think he is that big of a difference on offense and even as a returner. So they're, they're a little bit closer to the pack. Having said that, they would not be a underdog against any team on neutral field right now. But with these top five teams, Rayvon kind of mentioned it, you know, they would only be like a point favorite over uh, my uh, number five team. So it's a lot closer than people think. Their defense, you know, they lost Justin Houston D Ford, but they did get Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. So I think they could improve on defense and you know, that's they're, they're going to go as far as their defense uh, lets them this year. Raybon, what do you think about the, the chiefs here? Yeah. I mean, you know, their schedule, it's by no means means soft, but um, I think they can still go nuts. You know, they, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, <laughs> come on. I had to, I had to, man. I had to. Nah, um, no, seriously, though, I think so. The Chiefs are a good example of kind of one of those organizations that I look at with those intangible factors because I think they're not perfect. You know, I, I did write an article recently about how I thought, you know, that it was a mistake to leave Patrick Mahomes on the bench for a year. However, um, they've showed the ability to um, consistently exceed expectations in terms of just flat-out wins with Andy Reid. I think every single year he's, he's uh, beat their win total. Um, they've shown the ability to, to find um, high upside talent and, and, and high-risk, high-reward talent. So even though they're kind of pinning their hopes on a lot of these guys like Kareem Hunt in the past or a Tyreek Hill who, you know, can be off the team or off the field in a split second, they've shown the willingness at the same time to continue to acquire this type of talent, which um, is evidenced by, you know, getting a guy like Frank Clark. So I think that when you have the quarterback in Mahomes, you have the coach and Reed, and you have this kind of organizational philosophy, while it's not perfect, I, I think it, it, it leaves you in the driver's seat with what they still do have and what they are putting on the field. So um, that's kind of why I, I still have the Chiefs at number one. Right, yeah, and I also think, uh, I also think uh, just real quick, that you know, if something does happen to Tyreek Hill, I think they will bring someone in, whether it's a trade or signing a guy off the street. So I, I don't necessarily think they're just going to leave that hole wide open. I think they will try to fill that. And, you know, they're, they're in win-now mode, so I think they'll make a move to replace Hill. If needed. Yeah, they, and they were aggressive. I mean, in the draft, even, you know, second round pick on, um, on Cole Hardman is not, you know, that's a, that's a pretty high, yeah. high draft capital pick as well. And, you know, just moves like that, you know, it, they'll get criticized, but I, 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 uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. All right. Let's talk about the, uh, the second team, the Rams, Chris and I have them ranked number two, Sean, you have them ranked number three. Uh, can you talk about them a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, they're they're one of the most, you know, well-balanced teams. Great offense. Uh, they get Cooper Cup back this year. I think that did hurt Goff a little bit when he went down. And, you know, Gurley's health will be key. You know, I mentioned I'm avoiding him in fantasy, but I think he should be fine. I expect they'll just scale his workload back. So I think he'll be just as effective in real-life value in that case. I think it, it comes down to their defense, and they, they definitely need Marcus Peters and Keith DeLeap to step up this year. I think that's going to be critical to get them over the hump and be a Super Bowl team. But, you know, they, they let Namikin Sugo, LaMarcus Joyner, but they did bring in uh, Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews, who can still contribute in their later years. So I, I do like their defense. Just like I said, they're, they're a complete team. One of the best coach teams is Sean McVay. So they're just going to be a staple in my top three until uh, proven otherwise. All right. Uh, I think let's kick it to the uh, the number three team here, the Colts. Raybon, you are the highest on them out of the three of us. What are your thoughts on them specifically? So I think, again, and I kind of alluded to this at the top, but, you know, quarterback Andrew Luck, um, just amazing, you know, uh, ability to last season with, with a supporting cast that was, I would say, pretty poor outside of, you know, you, you probably got a, a better season than expected from, from Eric Ebron, but you also had a lot of injuries. The receiving core outside of T.Y. Hilton was, was really nowhere to be found. And Naeem Hines kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. And, and, and so what he did in the red zone on third down, I thought was, was amazing. Um, and, and just again, the defense that they're putting on the field now, Darius Leonard, like I think the uh, Malik Hooker is going to have now like a year back after coming off that injury. Um, just a lot of guys I expect to make another leap. And I think they have a lot of talent all the way around. They've drafted really well. Um, Chris Ballard has talked about how they narrow their board down probably more than any other team in the league to find not only talent, but, but specific scheme fits. And I just think that um, what they've been doing, you know, the, the kind of flyers they've taken in free agency on guys like um, Ebron last year, uh, you know, Funchess this year can really have a, a profound impact. I think Marlon Mack is a little better than maybe people might know. And you know, I think if you saw him down the stretch and in the playoffs last year, you know, he, he was really excellent. And as long as they kind of keep his workload in check and he stays healthy, I think um, he'll be a big factor. So I think all the offensive line is really good. That I think that's going to continue to get better as well. So I think on all phases, I just think this team is really strong. Um, and I think this is one of those teams, the game plans, Frank Wright on offense, Matt Eberflus on defense. Um, you know, they outcoach my, my Texans uh, in that, in that playoff game just thoroughly. So on paper, I, I put it, I think they probably are right up there with the Patriots and the Rams. Um, and, and so that's why I kind of have them on uh, number three, actually ahead of the Patriots, because I just think that they're not necessarily going to get circles run around them the way they have in years past organizationally uh, or on the sidelines by Bill Belichick coaching staff. One thing to mention, as we were recording this, a report has come out that uh, the Colts are interested, you know, they have a quote unquote level of interest in free agent defensive tackle Gerald McCoy. Um, so he would just be another weapon there for them to uh, to bring in. And, and they have the salary cap space, like they have a lot of space. And I think what's been pretty impressive with this team is how quickly, even from just two years ago, they have revamped the roster while still maintaining a really high amount of salary cap. So, yeah, I think the future is is very bright for them. It really, the job that they've done rebuilding the offensive line, too. I mean, they did it so quickly. And part of it, obviously, because of guys they've brought in, players that they brought in, but also the, the coaching staff and the, the way that they've schemed has been pretty intelligent as well. Chris, you talked about the, the Patriots there and, and how you have them. The Colts ranked ahead of the Patriots. Sean, let's talk about the Patriots. They're our number four team. They're unanimous in the top five for all of us. What are your thoughts with them? Yeah, I mean, what's left to say about them? Uh, you know, we keep waiting for Tom Brady to decline. I think it's inevitable at 42. Um, how much will be the question? They lost Trent Brown, Trey Flowers, Gronkowski. Typically, Belichick is always able to overcome, you know, when they lose more players and gain. Uh, but I think the Gronk loss will ding him a little bit. You know, I still have them, you know, as a top three, top five team. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to be willing to invest against them a little bit against the spread on the regular season. But come playoff time, I usually back off. They're a completely different team. So I think they are going to t start taking a step back. You know, just Gronkowski was such a huge part of that offense. And uh, I don't think they're going to be able to fill his role. So, yeah, they're, they're not going to be the favorite against teams like the Rams, Chiefs or even Colts. So they're not the top of the throne anymore in my ratings. Yeah. Let's talk about this next team, the the Saints. 
this is, I think, a really interesting team. They're top five for us. In fact, they're actually tied with the Patriots. Sean, you have them ranked second. Rayvon, you have them ranked eighth. So I think this is the, the first <laughs> team in which we have a, a pretty big discrepancy between two rankers. Rayvon, I would like to uh, hear your case first on why you are so against this team. So let me start by saying, again, I'm not against this. I don't think they're terrible. I just think that they're in, first of all, I think the, the best teams this year are going to be in the AFC. I think it's the, the Chiefs. I think it's the Colts. I think it's the Patriots. I think the Browns have a, they're right there as well. And then I think the NFC is just a little closer in that top tier. And when I look at the, the teams who, who I like in the NFC, you know, the Rams, I think, again, Sean mentioned it, great, great additions on defense. Um, and look at just how quick, you know, Sean McVay was able to take that. Two years, he was able to take that team to the Super Bowl. You have a team like the Saints. I mean, how many times have they gotten to the Super Bowl? And Sean Payton's been coaching them since 2006. You know what I mean? So I think that the Rams are a better team organization. I think the Saints are going to take a little step back. And I'm a little concerned about what I saw, to be honest, with Drew Brees down the stretch. And I think that's where it really stems from that kind of makes me pull back. Because I still think the defense is going to be one of the better defenses of this Saints era. Although I do kind of worry about them, uh, you know, relying so heavily on, like, overachieving guys like Eli Apple, um, Demario Davis and whatnot. But um, I think Breeze, you know, down a stretch from week 12 on, uh, just 6.7 yards per attempt, 11 touchdowns, six interceptions. This includes the playoffs. And just didn't look like the same guy. And, like, I wouldn't worry as much about that if, if he wasn't – you know, 40. If this wasn't his age 40 season, I mean, you know, I uh, I remember a couple years ago when it, you know, just kind of went downhill pretty quickly for Peyton Manning over the second half of, of a season and it, it never really rebounded. And, you know, luckily Denver was able to kind of put a squad around him and still get it done. So that, I could certainly see that happening with, with the Saints, which is why I have them in the top eight. But um, I think there are teams with better rosters out there. And I think there are teams that are slightly sharper organization we also think they're a little a little bit top heavy for me on offense and with that whole breeze question marks around breeze if, if Kamara or Thomas something happens to them it kind of changes a lot you know we've seen you know Jared Cook's 32 I mean we've seen them kind of whiff on a free agent tight end with, with Kobe Fleener Ted Ginn's 34 Traquan Smith regressed down the stretch which I thought was a little bit odd um, so I just, you know, Max Unger, the center, we've kind of talked about it. Not not a huge deal, but not ideal when of all positions on the O-line. So just, I think, offensively, I expect them to be kind of in that running, in that top tier. I just don't really see the separation between them, the Rams, um, and the Eagles, who I'm really high on, and, and the Bears. I think those are kind of the top tier to NFC, and I don't really see this, the same separation that I guess more je- uh, the consensus uh, does. Mm-hmm. All right, Sean, I want to get to you in a second, but Chris, I want to ask you a follow-up question on this. Let's assume that we live in a version of the universe where the Saints did not get screwed over in the playoffs with the no call, and they play in the Super Bowl. And I think it's it's feasible to say that if they had been in the Super Bowl, they at least would have been competitive with the Patriots. They maybe would have won that game. Let's say that they win the Super Bowl. How does that change the way that you view them now? Probably not at all. Um, I think that I think that's actually the opposite. And I wrote about this in our power rankings, um, you know, write up. I think that the fact that they did come so close and the fact that they did, you know, many people felt that they should have been in the Super Bowl and that they could have won is actually inflating their value in the eyes of, of a lot of people. I just think that this is a team that's a, a good team that had a really strong run. They went 10 and one. They had a plus 13 point some, uh, I think it was 13.9 point differential over the first uh, 11 weeks of the season over the next, uh, oh, from week 12 through the playoffs. Um, and this is discounting um, the, the week, me- meaningless week 17 game, which I'm throwing out um, because Breeze didn't start. But uh, besides that, their, their point differential was plus 3.8. They beat the Steelers by three. They beat the, uh, the Panthers in another game by three. They lost to the Cowboys by three. They beat the Eagles by six. Probably could have lost that game um, if Alshon Jeffrey catches that ball. Um, and then they they lose to the Rams by three. Could have won that game by three. So I, I think that's the team that they're going to be going forward, a team that can either lose or win, can play one-score t- games with any team, but not a team that's necessarily blowing people out the way they were over those first uh, 11 weeks. Okay, Sean, give it to us. So, I mean, even though I think Rayvon's crazy for having them eight, I don't, I don't disagree with anything he said. Um, you know, I consider them one of the teams that's in win-now mode. Um, they're all in. They're going for the Super Bowl this year. And, and you mentioned the call last year, but even two years ago, 
uh, you know, Marcus Williams falling down yeah. for that fluke touchdown, you know, who knows? They could have made the Super Bowl that year and won. So I think they're, you know, unfairly, uh, you know, discredited because of their recent playoff runs. But I consider them, you know, they, they have a lower floor than people think. So that's why I give Raybon's eight rankings some credence because they are a bit top heavy. They, they won't be able to sustain as much injury bad luck as other teams. But that's why, uh, you know, and Vegas treats them as a top three team. So there isn't much value in betting on them necessarily. But I, that's why I consider them still a, a pretty good play at 9-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. They're just a high upside team. So if they manage to stay healthy, that's when I think they will be a top two team. And until then, you know, I'm going to have their them in the, the top two. Um, I, I don't really see Breeze slowing down yet, um, even at 40. So... I'm considering him to be, you know, same as last year. Uh, and then, you know, they still have Marshall Lattimore and Cam drawing defense to the top defensive players in the league. So if healthy, you know, their upside is a top team. So uh, until then, they're going to be in my top two uh, in power ratings. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about some of the teams that, relatively speaking, we are high on. Sean, I want to kick it to you first. The Green Bay Packers, you have them ranked number nine. Where are they in our overall rankings? They are 12th. Raybon is, uh, has them 13th. I have them 14th. Can you talk about what it is that you see when you're looking at this team that you are totally way too high on? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I think I'm trying to figure out why I'm too high, and I think it's just you know how important quarterback is yeah. in, in my ratings. Um, you know, There's no more critical position in football or maybe any other sport than QB when it comes to, you know, win probability. So when you look at last year, Aaron Rodgers, he, now we know he suffered a sprain MCL and a, a tibial plateau fracture. Um, I remember last year on the fancy flex, we were kind of joking. He might be playing with a torn ACL and we weren't too far off. So, um, you know, he played last year at way less than a hundred percent. So I'm just anticipating him to return closer to hundred percent and his MVP levels this year. So that's, that's giving them a little bit more of a boost than you guys probably in, in my power ratings. Um, the fresh coaching may help. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think Matt Floor's going to have to or reinvent football to you know pull out the potential of Aaron Rodgers. He needs to just get out of his way. So I, I, I just, I'm more betting on Aaron Rodgers to hit 100% this year. So until proven otherwise... I'm all in on them. And, you know, I wrote up about that in my uh, weeks two through 17 piece. Uh, one of the lines that I already took was Packers minus two at uh, the New York Giants in week 13. Um, I kind of go into the game theory a little bit there where Daniel Jones is probably starting uh, at that point in the season. And, you know, the Giants power rating will drop a couple points. So um, I'm looking to invest on some weekly lines for the Packers early in the season in banking on uh, Rodgers returning to his MVP status. Yeah, I'm like, it's funny because it's almost like I like what the Packers have done in firing McCarthy. I think that he was, he was bad for what they were doing. But I guess my question is like, how much of Aaron Rodgers' struggles over the past four years do we attribute to straight up McCarthy? Because I mean, let's be real. Aaron Rodgers in 2015, his yards per attempt was 6.7. In 2016, it was 7.3. In 2017, it's 7.0. In 2018, it's 7.4. The league average is 7.4. So he's been average. He's been Derek Carr in terms of, oh, <laughs> in terms of no, I mean, I know the touchdown, the, of course, no, he's, but you know, you get my point. Like he, we know how great he is, but it's not, it hasn't translated onto the field because of now one, I think that the, the receiving core has slowly deteriorated. You yeah. know, the veterans have gotten older, the young guys haven't quite stepped up. So it's like, how much are we attributing that to McCarthy and his schemes and the fact that he didn't really, um, he, he kind of made them, uh, his receivers run on a, like a lot of isolation routes. He wasn't really scheming them open. How much do we look at LaFleur and say, well, he didn't really change. I mean, the, the Titans were already going nine and seven. He didn't really do much, much, you know, to help, I would say. And like, you know, how far has this defense come along in, in one year to really change this team from what it's been over the last four years, which has been a pretty average team in West. In, and if they suffer injuries, uh, a below average team. Okay. Rayvon, I, uh, I hear you. I agree with you. Specifically thinking about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think part of the problem for the last four years has been Aaron Rodgers, not just Mike McCarthy. Uh, I don't know if Rodgers has the ability really to to meld with with a coach. Even if he does, I don't know if that coach is going to be LaFleur. Because as you mentioned with LaFleur, we really haven't seen him do much that would make you think this guy 
can demand the respect of a Hall of Fame quarterback. So uh, I'm a little hesitant. And also, I know that they have revamped the defensive side of the ball. But, uh, you know, sometimes you add defensive pieces and it just doesn't come together. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we saw enough out of the defensive coaching staff there last year to assume that uh, it can just add more pieces to this defense and it will be significantly better this year. So uh, I'm a little bit uh, a little bit unsure about what we're going to see out of the Packers. Raybon, I want to kick it to you. You have the Cardinals ranked 18th, which uh, I have to say is aggressive, but I don't think it's like like I wanted to be there with you. You know what I mean? Like, so I would just say like blanket statement. I imagine that after we ran some numbers, the Cardinals were like the dead last team that all of us had. And then it's like, you're adjusting them up based on all of these things that are kind of suppositional. Like, well, they have a new coach, they have a new quarterback, they have all of these things. But if you were just to look at the team last year, that would be the worst team this year if nothing had changed. Uh, so Raybon, I'm curious about how you adjust for these, these changes that are kind of, they're, like they're theoretical. We haven't seen the impact of what these changes will be. So uh, how do you have them ranked 18th? Okay, so first of all, again, I kind of mentioned at the top that the most important thing when you're kind of trying to project point differential is – uh, passing, passing and stopping the pass. So passing on offense is going to obviously be, you know, uh, number one here. Last season, this is a team that averaged 5.8 yards per pass attempt with Josh Rosen, um, 4.6 net yards per pass attempt. The league average is 7.4. So they average almost a half yard less than any team in the league. So just like natural regression, that's going to kind of, you know, regress back to the mean. Like you would never project a team for that uh, low. And, and that's just going to kind of bring them closer to the pack already. That's why I've, pro- people probably heard me mention in the past that, you know, three win teams over the last 15 years in the next year, they win an average of six and a half games. You know, that's just, it's hard to be that bad in, in the passing game two years in a row. But now, now you look at what's going on and they have Kyler Murray here. And, and if you look at, and, and I touched on this in my Mahomes article without really going into it, but if you look at the rookie quarterbacks who have had success in year one, um, and have been just as good in year one as year two, it's Russell Wilson, it's uh, Cam Newton, it's Dak Prescott, it's uh, Andrew Luck, it's guys like that, guys uh, with mobility. I think that mobility raises your rookie year floor a lot higher. I mean, even a guy like last year, Josh Allen, who was considered just um, not very good by, by a lot of people, um, just the fact that he had some mobility kind of, the bills were just you know, below average with him. They weren't terrible, the worst team in the league. They weren't Josh Rosen-like um, with the Cardinals because, and I think it, sim- it simply came down to the fact that he had mobility. You know, the same thing with the the, the Bills were, I think, for much of the year, a better team than, than the New York Jets with it for a similar reason in, in that development. So I think the, the development of Kyler Murray mixed with the talent he has, I, I think their floor is a lot closer to that six-and-a-half win team, the, the point differential of that kind of a team, of a mediocre team. Now, I think the Patrick Peterson news, I would have probably had them in the top half of the league if it wasn't for this Patrick Peterson news, which I think really does hurt them because I thought that with him um, and what they added in the draft and kind of the pieces, I thought that defense had, a, had the potential to be pretty good too. But now I question that a little bit with Peterson. But I still think this team has, you know, David Johnson, a superstar caliber um, running back. I think the offensive line's weaknesses will be minimized with the way um, Kingsbury's going to run the spread offense. And I think we've seen these turnarounds happen fairly quickly in the past where you have when the coach is better and the quarterback is better. We've seen it with the Rams. We've seen it with the Bears. That's what turns around teams the quickest. I just have them as a, a mediocre team rather than a, a bottom bottom tier team. One team that I am high on uh, relative to you guys is the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, I'll say, like, I'm higher on them than even I want to be. You know, like, I don't want to have them ranked. Where do I have them ranked? Uh, I have them number 13. You guys both have them ranked number 16. I mean, I just, I don't think of them as a team that I have a lot of, uh, like, quote unquote, respect for, in part just because I think they run a pretty antiquated offense that prevents their best player, Russell Wilson, from being able to perform at a level 
that uh, is sort of commensurate with his skills. That said, even though he's handcuffed, I think he actually is still pretty pretty impressive. Uh, I think he's one of the best all-around dual-threat quarterbacks in the league. He's not the runner he used to be, but he's still very functional with it. Seven years in the league, never missed a game. The Seahawks have made the playoffs six times. With Wilson, the Seahawks are almost always competitive, regardless of whoever it is that they are playing. I think the loss of Doug Baldwin is not insignificant, but I think Tyler Lockett should build upon what he did last year. And then the team also has David Moore. They added DK Metcalf and Gary Jennings. Like I think it is almost as good of a wide receiver group as any other that uh, Russell Wilson has had. And then defensively, they are going to be without Frank Clark. They are going to be without Earl Thomas, but they were already without Earl Thomas for most of last season anyway. And they were also without Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and even though I don't think their their defense was nearly as good as it used to be in the Legion of Boom days, like it, it wasn't bad. It was it was I think at worst like a league average unit. And so I think they've they've proven throughout the years that their defense is resilient even when they are missing some of their big name guys. So I think they are closer to the like the top third of the league than the kind of like middle like middle tier of the league, if that makes sense to you guys. I agree. I think Russell Wilson is a guy that really props them up. But I do think we do disagree a little bit on how they kind of get to this point of being like what they are. I think that Russell Wilson is a gift and a curse to them. And what I mean by that is he was obviously a gift um, when he was on that rookie contract and they went, well, what did they go in his first year? Like something like oh, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, I believe. And they were just every year they were really good. Right. Um, now, um, and Robert Mays of The Ringer wrote a really good article. I encourage everybody to check it out. It's called How Should NFL Teams Build Around the $30 Million Quarterback? And essentially right. what, he, what Robert goes in details is that what Seattle has done, and this is by choice, which is why I think their organization should get a little more credit and they shouldn't, everyone kind of calls them antiquated, but I think it's, it, they have a more, it's more deliberate than we think. So what Seattle has essentially done is they said, okay, we realize quarterback is the most important position. We realize that we're going to have to pay this guy, Russell Wilson. So what we're going to do is instead of trying to build this like studs and scrubs type of situation, they have literally stripped down the entire roster around him. And they just continue to rely on cheap players. And they're going to continue to re-up when a guy gets too expensive. They're essentially going by the Patriots model of anyone that's not Tom Brady, you know, it's expendable. And then on offense, it's like the same thing. They they know they have to run, and and so that's why they have a guy like Brian Schottenheimer. I mean, I mean, this offense was really good. They crazily outperform expectations. Russell Wilson had the best passing year of his life. So I don't think it's fair to Schottenheimer to say, oh, they're antiquated. They run too much. I mean, Russell Wilson set a career high in touchdowns. He ran less. So that was a lot of criticism because they know they can't get him hurt. He's a $30 million guy. So Schottenheimer comes in and says, hey, we're going to run this guy less. The O-line, which everyone thought was the bottom five in the league, held up. I mean, I think he did a really good job. And I think the organization does a really good job. It's just this is the cards they were dealt. And um, they're kind of going at it in a little somewhat of a contrarian manner and I think it is kind of a fragile high upside low floor situation but it is what it's it's a lot of teams around the league are in that same situation and um haven't necessarily dealt with it as sharply so I think that on the field in any given week the Seahawks are liable to lose um and that's why I have them 16th but I, I think the organization itself actually does deserve credit um for what they've built yeah I guess I would push back a little bit and saying like I don't think last year was his best year like I I mean in in terms of what was facilitated by Brian Schottenheimer. I'm giving Brian Schottenheimer no credit, and I hope God has mercy on his soul. Uh, so you like Daryl Bevelmore in Detroit? No. I, I, like, <laughs> I like neither of them. I like Russell Wilson. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him and what he was able to do. And you're yeah. talking about personal high 35 touchdowns last year. Touchdowns, it's not that those are, like, insignificant, but, like, Russell Wilson also had the fewest passing yards he's had in the past half decade. Like, that also means something. Yeah, but that's the whole point. He threw a lot of touchdowns, but his yard per attempt was 8.1. That was uh, right the third time in his career he's been over eight, so that his career average is uh, 7.9. So, like, he, he performed more efficiently. They, that's the whole point. They threw less because of Schottenheimer's, like, they knew they couldn't throw a lot. They knew they couldn't um, hold up if they did. And they knew their defense couldn't hold up if they did. And that's that was a problem the year before. So they bring in the right guy for this job. I'm not saying Schottenheimer's the right guy for the Kansas City Chiefs job, but – 
I think he got a raw deal um, because he was coaching dudes like Mark Sanchez and, 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 you know, and it was under Jeff Fisher and like, he's just in the worst situations he could possibly ever be. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to say that much more of this has to do with Russell Wilson. I'm high on Wilson. Uh, you know what else I'm high on is Airbnb experiences. Uh, you've heard me talk about them before. I had my own Airbnb experience a couple of weekends ago. I will talk about that in more detail on next week's show. Yet another long-term tease. Uh, if you don't know about Airbnb experiences, let me tell you. Airbnb experiences provide access to activities that can't easily be found elsewhere. Airbnb experiences are designed for active participation, so you can do something new. They are curated for quality, embedded for safety. These aren't your typical tours and activities. These are experiences designed to get you living life. Airbnb experiences are hosted by locals who have deep expertise in their field. These are real experts with long-time hands-on experience who are guiding you through your own experience. With these experiences, you learn things you can't find online or in a textbook. And most importantly, you have fun. There are Airbnb experiences in over a thousand cities around the world. So there are lots of options for you to choose from. You don't need to be traveling to try Airbnb experiences. You can do them right in your hometown, which is exactly what I did for my experience. For your own adventures, check out airbnb.com slash experiences to explore one-of-a-kind activities created for the curious. Okay, let's talk about the teams that we are low on. Sean, let's kick it to you. I would say if I get to pick one team, it would be the Ravens. You know, just some of the key players they lost in defense, like Terrell Suggs, Darius Smith, CJ Mosley, and Eric Weddle, they were able to salvage a bit with the Earl Thomas signing, but any step back they take defensively means it's more pressure on Lamar Jackson. Um, last year, they were able to kind of hide his inefficiencies last year uh, with their great defense, and he was playing with a lead, and they are able to run the ball a lot. So I think if their defense takes a step back this year, which I think they should, it's just going to compound things, and it's a bad mix. So I have them being more of a sub-500 team heading into this year. So they're a team I'm low on, um, taking their under on their season win total. Um, and going to be attacking them early on in the season against them on the spread. Yeah. I mean, as Raybon mentioned earlier, there's not much of a difference between a lot of the teams in kind of this middle tier. You have them ranked 19th. Raybon has them 15th. I have them 16th. And I really don't see much of a difference between the Ravens and a a team like the Panthers or a team like the Titans or the the Cowboys. I mean, there, there are some differences, but like there is just this kind of middle tier where a lot of the teams are all kind of packed together. Raybon, do you have any thoughts on the Ravens or any other team that you are high on? Yeah, quickly with the Ravens, I, I do agree. I think they're they're kind of in that middle pack um, with, with that with those teams that kind of have these mobile quarterbacks that can give you more upside. And if everyone stays healthy, I think things go better. I think that they did smartly uh, address their speed issue on offense. So I think uh, Lamar Jackson was held back, not just because he, I think he's completely terrible, but also because, I mean, he was throwing to, like, uh, old Michael Crabtree. I mean, John Brown, for all, like, he's getting credit for and he's like, oh, he's about to take, like, Robert Foster's job in, in Buffalo. I mean, John Brown wasn't very good last year um, at, down the stretch. Like, he wasn't very efficient. He had a couple of, of big games as, like, guys who are fast do, but he was a pretty inefficient guy in general, too. I think it wasn't all on Jackson. Um, I think that this year, you know, having Justin, Justice Hill, having Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, I think they – they're going to be a better offense. I think the defense is going to drop off, and that is a little worrisome. But at the same time, you know, they, they went out and signed Mark Ingram. They still have Gus Edwards. They, I think the offense will be take enough enough of a step forward um, with the defensive talent that they still have. Um, I think Anwas is pretty good. I think um, I think you know the Earl Thomas signing could potentially improve the secondary. They still have a bunch of good corners. Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr has been playing well. We'll see about uh, Jimmy Smith, but I think it's a middle of the pack team, a, a team that I am lower on than most is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I have them 23rd. Consensus is 19th. I think that the year they went to almost went to the Super Bowl, I think a lot of things broke right. And I just, you know, the pieces on defense keep keep shrinking, I think, a little bit. You have Telvin Smith, you, have, uh, you kind of saying he's going to sit out. You have Jalen Ramsey, we don't know what's going on with him now. Uh, I think that Tom Coughlin, and they're kind of turning people off to the organization. Um, it's kind of fragile on offense. You know, Leonard Fournette's a big part of what they do. He hasn't uh, been fully healthy. I think Nick Foles has, it can be really good in situations where, you know, he has a coordinator that can kind of call the games in, in such a way and, and empower him to, to have success via play calling. And I don't think that this is necessarily the, 
the offense for him. And I think that this could be a lot closer to the team that we saw last year, even with the, even with a, a, a top tier defense, pretty close to the team we saw last year. I mean, a lot of their players on offense, you know, key players like, you know, Marquis Lee is a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy either. Um, you know, we didn't see as much out of DJ Shark as we probably would have wanted to. They went out and signed Chris Conley, which, I mean, when you're going out and signing Chris Conley, <laughs> to act, like, you know, it's just a below average situation on offense for the below average talent on offense. And then the difference makers on defense are shrinking. And I just question, again, what, what the effect that Tom Coughlin's having from above on that organization, because uh, down a stretch, we saw the defense kind of check out uh, of games. I mean, that, that the, the, the Derrick Henry run comes to mind where it's just they all made business decisions. But I mean, you look at what, Dallas put up like 40 on them or something like that. Like there is a lot of um, situations where I think that defense just mentally wasn't engaged. And I worry, you know, as they keep losing pieces or as this offense continues to, to be below average, that that doesn't continue to happen. So I don't think they're very good team at all. And I think that and AFC championship year, excuse me, uh, might end up going down, unfortunately, as an outlier. Sean, any thoughts about that team? I'm pretty in line with Rayvon. Um, he, you know, he mentioned how they, they had some, you know, locker room turmoil last year. And I, I do think they have a pretty tough schedule this year. So um, if that happens again, you know, I'll, I'll be low on them. I, I took the under eight wins this year based on their schedule alone. I think Nick Foles will help. But with him, you know, it's unsure what you're going to get from him. So they're going to go as far as I think Nick Foles will, will take him. Yeah. And Chris Conley. Nick Foles and Chris Conley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I mean, I think he's just going to step into the Dante Moncrief role and really provide something for that team. (laughs) The team that I am down on relative to you guys, the Bears, uh, I have them ranked 12th. Uh, Sean, you're six on them. Uh, Rayvon, you are nine. I think last year they were basically a nine and seven team that went 12 and four. I attribute almost all of their offensive success to uh, Matt Nagy instead of Mitch Trubisky pretty much the exact opposite situation of what I, I see with this, the Seahawks. I don't think that Trubisky really developed all that much. And I think there were a lot of things that benefited the team that they're not going to have this year. So last year they had a last place schedule. This year they have a first place schedule. Aaron Rodgers was injured for a lot of the season. Kirk Cousins was in his first season uh, with the Vikings. Uh, Matt Patricia was in his first season with the Lions. So I, you know, I think presumably – Rodgers is healthy. Cousins should be more comfortable with his team. Patricia's Lions might be better than they were last year, although we definitely can't take that as something that will be true. But I'm just not very impressed by this team. And the bigger thing is I kind of see them as a a version of last year's Jacksonville Jaguars, where they were a very defense-driven team that looks primed to regress. So that is where I am with the Bears. Chris, tell me why I am wrong. It's funny that you said like they're a 12 and 14 that should have been nine and seven because I actually do agree with that. I think their schedule played a big part in their success last year. However, this year, I actually think they could be a nine and 17 that really should be 12 and four because what when Maggie, you know, Matt Nagy came in last year did have a profound effect on the team. I totally agree with that. But I also think that now having this offseason and looking at some of the things they were able to do, like with, this defense is top, I think, top three, top four in the league. Um, and now they've shipped out Jordan Howard, who really didn't fit the offense. They've brought in not only Montgomery, but they brought in Mike Davis. So guys that can uh, a little better, more versatile, can catch the ball. They have a bunch of these gadget guys. Now they have Tariq Cohen. They brought in Cordell Patterson. So I think this offense is like when you're looking for like a sneaky offense that could like at the end of the year could be top five. And I'm not saying Trubisky. I agree that Trubisky wasn't really – he was probably still the weaker link, but I don't think he was uh, like a fatally flawed weak link in any way. And I kind of throw out his year one and say this is his real year two because, I mean, let's be real. Under John Fox, John Fox didn't even want to throw the ball. Um, so uh, I expect a jump from Trubisky. And I think with the moves that they made on offense, I think this could be a really dangerous offense where everyone Trubisky's throwing to, you know, is capable of making a big play. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the 2017 Chiefs, where except with a good defense. But on offense, where it's like Alex Smith didn't have to really change who he was. And this was and it was like a really good offense just because um, of all the pieces around him and because of Nagy. And I, that reminds me of what the Bears have going on, except they also have this really high upside defense. So I, I, I like the Bears. And I mean, I was tempted. I was, you guys aren't going to like this, but I was tempted. 
to put them ahead of the Saints, but I, I couldn't take the Saints out of the top eight. So they, they're staying for now. But <laughs> no, I'm high on the Bears and I'm high on Trubisky as a late round quarterback picking fantasy, and I'm high on the offense. I think they could. I think they could surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised if they were the best team. Then. Uh, okay. I just I don't even kind of I don't even know where to start. But uh, so one, Rayvon, pick your metric, the one you want to use to judge this offense. And if you want, we can place a, a friendly little bet on whether this will actually be a top five offense. Um, number two, I okay. do agree that Trubisky, from a fantasy perspective, is a good late round quarterback because he does have that, that rushing upside. This is an offense that could be better. Like it, they could develop a lot of consistency. So I don't want to take that away from Trubisky. So I, I agree he is someone to target as a late round quarterback, but I don't I wouldn't want to count on him as someone who actually is a good NFL quarterback. Like Blake Bortles was a good late round quarterback at one point, but like he wasn't an NFL caliber type of quarterback. Number three, I think one thing that this offense doesn't have, which the Chiefs did have was Andy Reid as the guy who really is kind of the the motivating driver of what the offense is doing. And I I know that Nagy was doing a lot of the play calling, but there's a there's a big difference between a guy doing the play calling and him having like a master in Andy Reid who is there as I wouldn't say like a consultant, but is there as like the guide for what that offense is like philosophically doing. And then four, with this defense, and I I forgot to mention this earlier, the big thing that they're missing is their defensive coordinator and Vic Fangio. And like, I don't think we can assume that uh, anyone else can come in and be able to do with those same guys what Fangio was able to do last year especially when his name is escaping me, but uh, their, <laughs> their defensive coordinator, what, what is his, the, the Colts' former coach? Chuck Pagano. Pagano, right? He's yeah. the new coordinator, right? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a lot of faith in his ability to coordinate that defense. So I think the defense, even though it has a lot of high upside guys, could still regress just because they're not going to be put in the right places in the right situation under Pagano. Fair. I mean, that, that, that is fair. I would just say with, with Nagy, though, like this literally, if, if you can't get Andy Reid, like this is the next best thing. I mean, they scored 26.3 points per game last year. That was ninth in the league. They went 12 and four. That was Nagy's first year as a head coach. I mean, now he's got a chance to mold the offense in his liking. Trubisky's got a real year to develop in the offseason in Nagy's scheme. So, yeah, I expect most defenses to step back take a step back generally because it's it's harder to sustain defensive performance from one year to the next. But, I mean, I don't see any, like – huge red flag is considering the talent they have on defense so i mean i guess we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree but i would go with like something like yards per play or points per game if, if you want if you want that side action all right let's uh let's look quickly at uh, a few of the teams we have at the bottom of the rankings let's start with the two teams we have tied for uh the third to bottom spot here the redskins and the Bengals. i mean we're pretty unanimous in thinking that both of these teams are bottom four sean any thoughts on either of these two teams? The Redskins, I think, have the most potential of this crap tier. Um, I had actually wrote, <laughs> written about um, taking some of their lines later in the season. If and when they decide to go from Case Kim and Dwayne Haskins, it's going to be more of a lateral move. So I don't think that's going to really impact their power rating at all. I think uh, Haskins is more NFL ready than, say, Daniel Jones. So I, I locked in them minus three, week 16 against the Giants. I'm pretty sure that's going to be Haskins versus Daniel Jones. Um, and I have the uh, Redskins being closer to a six-point favor in that game. But, you know, they're, they're pretty average um, with their roster, but they have some pieces where, you know, they have some upside. You know, they brought in Landon Collins, drafted Montez Sweat. So, they, uh, you know, the entire defensive line is all first-round picks in the last three drafts. So, you know, I just like their potential in this range. They're, they're not really a team that I think is going to be tanking to get a quarterback next year. So um, just out of this group, they're, they're just the team I have the highest uh, just based on sheer potential. Yeah. Raymond, any thoughts on these teams? I mean, the, the, the Redskins are a team that – they're one of those teams that it's an example of a team that gets bumped down for, for the way they, they run their organization. Because, you know, I, I think they're, they're kind of take a step forward and they take two back. Like, I think their defensive philosophy and, and, and the players they've acquired have been, um, uh, have been pretty good and kind of put them in a position to have a pretty decent defense. But then you start to look at how, how well those players have actually performed and you're like, wait a minute, because 
for example, uh, their top-rated cornerback in pro football focus was, was Josh Norman at 52. Their top-rated safety on the roster – Landon Collins was the 45th best safety in the league last year in their grading. They had no linebacker that qualified above 77th. They had no interior defender uh, above 49th. That was Deron Payne, who I do like. Um, and then, you know, at, on the edge was the only place where they, they had some, some, some solid – grades uh ryan anderson was 16th and, and ryan kerrigan's 27th so it's like that defense did you know even though it's it's decent it's not necessarily it, it's liable to kind of take a step back as much as it is to take a step forward um just depending on you know who they play in what situations they're in josh norman was never really lived up to his contract um and then you look on offense and i just think it's so fragile and like the downside is almost bigger than the upside because first of all we don't you know we don't know exactly what Haskins is going to do. We don't, we don't know exactly why. I mean, we might know why he fell. Um, I think there's concerns about, you know, how can he, can he escape the pocket? You know, what's he, you know, and, and all that. And then you look at, okay, Chris Thompson, probably their best offensive weapon. If not him, you say, okay, it's Jordan Reed. Both of those guys are glass. Uh, Paul Richardson's probably their best receiver right now. And he has had one healthy season. You have Josh Dotson, who's never lived up to his potential. You have no real – you still don't have a blocking tight end that you can actually play. So, like, like, like Vernon Davis is 35. Jordan Reed really can't block. Adrian Peterson's in his mid-30s, so you're, and you still have him on the roster. Darius Geis should be talented, but missed a year with a torn ACL. They said he was behind schedule. You know, that, like, that's just not a positive thing. And he's also one of those guys that you don't know about his pass-catching ability. So it's just like – and then you have McLaren, who you drafted. You have Harmon that you drafted. You know, McLaren is kind of a prospect kind of guy. The best thing he has going for him is that he played with Haskins. And then you're entrusting your slot job to Trey Quinn, who another guy I think is pretty decent, but uh, suffered two major injuries in his first and only professional season. And this is your offense. And, and your whole offensive line went, got hurt at some point last year. So it's like, every, like, it's just, I think injury is a lot of luck, but at some point, like you have to question why every player on the on the offensive roster lacks durability. And I, I mean, this kind of I'm kind of, it's kind of beg it's starting to beg a deep dive as to like are they is there because I mean I I remember in the NBA I forget which team it was but there was some team that just like their trainers were really bad and like they ended up firing all their trainers I I forget it doesn't come to me at the moment but like I just wonder if there's anything deeper going on than just pure luck because I mean just year after year it's these durability concerns and it's like it just seems like they're not really making any roster moves with durability in mind I mean even you know even a guy like Haskins you know if he's if, the, if a knock on him is that he's not very you know mobile in the pocket I mean that's not good for like a six five guy to just be a statue there either so um you know it's it, it, I mean it could go really it could get bad in Washington and it's kind of weird to me that um, Jay Gruden's an offensive-minded head coach, and yet I think they've been a lot sharper organizationally in the moves they've made on defense lately. So, I, you know, it's it's a rough situation for me, and I, I give them zero benefit of the doubt. Um, they just happen to be in a division with a team yeah. that is even uh, gets a negative benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the yeah. New York Giants, uh, I wrote a whole article about it. Check it out. It's on actionnetwork.com slash NFL right now. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the Giants. We have them second to last. I also wrote an article on them on Daniel Jones, looking at the history of first round quarterbacks who are drafted when there's an established quarterback on the roster, and how those guys tend not to play in year one, sometimes even in year two. So it's an interesting situation. We are really expecting them to be one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, they traded away last year a lot of their key players. Uh, some of them during the season. And then in the offseason, they traded away, away Odell Beckham Jr. Sean, I want to kick it to you first. Rayvon has already mentioned that uh, this <laughs> is a horrible team. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Giants? Yeah, um, so I'll let Rayvon rant on them a little bit. But um, in my article, I was definitely targeting, you know, like when Daniel Jones will become quarterback. And Rayvon and I have a side bet now on that, apparently. Uh, the over-under is week 10 and a half. Um, but I, I really do think that he starts at some point this year, probably in the second half. And like I mentioned, the, their power rating would drop a couple points. Um, say what you want about Eli Manning, but throwing a, a rookie out there like him that's not quite polished yet will set them back a couple points in Vegas ratings. Um, so, so I already have a few bets locked in with Jets minus 2.5 against them in Week 10, Packers minus 2.5 against them in Week 13, and Redskins minus 3 in Week 16. So I just think it's key to lock in some of these numbers early in the season because I'm anticipating Jones starting in the second half. Yeah. So part of my thinking is that they 
butchered the situation so poorly uh, at the end of 2017 when they wanted to to bench Eli Manning that even if this team is performing really poorly, they will just let him play out the season and kind of have this sort of like, this is Eli's retirement season yeah. uh, and, and celebrate that. And Jones seems like the type of guy who actually is okay with sitting on the bench. I can, I can see that, but uh, I think they want to know what's what they have in Jones. I could even see, you know, I'm giving like five to 10% chance. We get a Josh Rosen situation where they, you know, they start Jones most of the season and they look at this uh, 2020 class, pretty big, uh, QB class and you know if Jones doesn't look like he's gonna pan out they could take quarterback next year so I think they need to find out what they have with Jones they're clearly not in win now mode so it it doesn't really make sense just having Manning out there um you know when they could find out what they have in Jones early on yeah Raybon give it to us the whole thing about the Daniel Jones situation is that it's it's John Mara and Evan, Evan I give Evan Silver credit he actually um, he, he read my Giants article and I was actually on the plane to LA and he, uh, he sent me, he, he, he did a podcast with, uh, with Matt Kelly, the pod father shouts to both of them. So go check that out on this exact topic. And essentially Evan referred to it as make Eli great again. Um, that's been the, the, what's been happening for the last, uh, since 2017. Um, and I think the reason they got a, a quarterback in Daniel Jones, who, Studied under Manning as a kid, got coached by Manning's coach, looks like Manning, and talks like Manning. Yeah. So John Mara, John Mara, not David Gettleman, but John Mara, the guy who decided to put Ben McAdoo via Jerry Reese because he doesn't talk directly to his coaches, put him up to benching Eli in 2017, but, but was too scared to just approach Eli about just ending his start streak. So decided to put them up to this ill-advised plan to, to bench him at the half. So everything since then has been just, how are we going to get Eli out of there? It's like their old yeller moment, except instead of killing the dog, they shot themselves. That's like, to me, that's what the Giants have been doing for these last two years. So like now that they got Daniel Jones, I'm kind of with Sean here. I think you're going to see him a little earlier because it's going to be for the first time you're seeing Mara not scared to just pull the plug. Because let's, re- let's remember, not only did they bench Eli for one game for Geno Smith, but and they said, and Mara sold it as well, we wanted to look for some other quarterbacks, and it was probably a bad plan that he hatched. They've never benched Eli again. They never looked at any quarterbacks after that. And so because they were scared, because Mara was scared of the perception. So I think finally he said, he said, okay, I'm literally going to – like I'm sure they had like – you talk about not using analytics and drafting Saquon Barkley and drafting Jones 6. I think they have the best like facial recognition analytics and voice recognition analytics in the league to where they just did carbon copy, clone me and Eli Manning. Find me – Eli Manning, and that's what Daniel Jones is. And so I think, like, I don't even think they're going to, like, there's going to be no statement. I think they're just going to send Daniel Jones out in in number 10 for, like, the first quarter of week one and hope nobody notices. Like, I think that's (laughs) what the Giants, and he's going to start all 16 games and play every snap for the next 15 years until they find the next Daniel Jones slash Eli Manning. And that's why they are 31 in my power rankings because they're, they're not even trying to tank. They don't know they're trying to tank, but they're tanking. Yeah, maybe at that point, it will actually be Eli Manning's child who takes <laughs> Daniel Jones' job. <laughs> who, who, who went to Daniel yeah. Jones' passing camp and was coached yeah. by David Cutcliffe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We, we mentioned the, the Josh Rosen situation. Who knows? Maybe next year, uh, Josh Rosen will be traded to the Giants, and uh, we'll take a good look at him uh, to see if he can be the replacement to Daniel Jones. But each of us, we have the Dolphins ranked 32nd. Pretty ironic that uh, Rosen is going from the worst team last year to the worst team this year. Uh, is he good? Is he good? Like, do we like? What do we think about Rosen? Seriously, I mean, the Cardinals like well, it's even they were like for even for a rookie quarterback. Like, I get it, but like, remember, rookie quarterbacks. Like the good ones are generally pretty okay in year one. Like, mm. what do we think of Josh Rosen? Well, yeah, that's. Uh, I think the Dolphins are smart. Might as well take the chances here. They're taking anyway. Put him out there. If he's terrible, then they just get first pick next year. I dock them a point if they if they start him week one instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm lowering them a point. But with him, there's the upsides there. So you might as well find out this year, um, starting as long as possible, and then go from there. Uh, you can either decide to keep tanking or put in Ryan Fitzpatrick to stop bleeding a bit and sell some tickets. But uh, I think it was a great move for both teams. They need to find out if he is, you know, a first-round pick and can be their QB of the future. 
The thing that is, I think, really a problem with Rosen is that even though he came into the league very young, 21 years old, and even though he was, uh, you know, like a heralded passing prospect when he entered college and had three years of starting experience in college, all of that is good. The problem is he's a absolute statue in the pocket. There There we go. Yeah, like those guys – like they are becoming rarer and rarer in a league where it's like mobility is so important. Like someone like Tom Brady can get away with not being mobile because like he actually has like some sneaky shiftiness in the pocket to be able to shift and he gets the ball out so quickly anyway. And like he knows his offensive scheme so well that he just has like this fine tuned internal clock of when to get the ball out, when he's being pressured. I think uh, Philip Rivers has a similar type of thing. Like Ben Roethlisberger even kind of has it at this point. But Rosen just does not have the mobility that he needs. And last year, he wasn't in a good enough of a situation to compensate for his lack of mobility. So I think it's going to be a similar situation again with the Dolphins. So even if he is good, I think he would have to be in a like an ideal situation uh, with a, a good play caller around him, a good enough of an offensive line. I just don't think he's going to have that. And this is what has to scare you if you are a Redskins fan. Because like Dwayne Haskins could just be what Josh Rosen is. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that wouldn't be – and I think there's something kind of going on in the NFL as it continues to shift to a more efficient spread pass-heavy league, which is that quarterbacks have better numbers. I mean, Eli Manning, look at last year. He had like a career-low in interceptions, a career-high in completion percentage, and the Giants couldn't move the ball with two future – potentially future Hall of Famers on the roster. Um, so I think that you have the situation where because quarterbacks – a lot of quarterbacks aren't throwing crazy amounts of interceptions anymore – and a lot of quarterbacks aren't completing crazy low, you know, having, uh, you know, completion percentages that look terrible. Like even the worst quarterbacks usually are around like 60% these days. It's kind of like you have these undercover quote unquote franchise quarterbacks that in reality are still setting you back and putting you below the eight balls. Like it's, I think a perfect example of this is Derek Carr. Like Derek Carr, like you just look at him, you know, you're like, all right, he's not like terrible. But then you look at the Raiders every year and, you know, aside, they had one good year and, and really they haven't been good. And Eli Manning, same thing. There's dumb Numbers aren't like crazy bad, but you look at the Giants, they can't move the football. And you look at you look at Rosen, you didn't see anything that's like, oh my God, he's going to be a terrible quarterback in this league, like a, a fatal flaw or anything like that. But you look at the Cardinals and they have an outlyingly low yard per pass attempt. So it's really, it's like that mobility is making a huge difference um, these days. And just like what you said, Freeman, not even just mobility, but just being able to kind of either get the ball out quick, so process quickly, or be able to shift in the pocket as you're, as you're buying yourself um, more time. If you can't do either of those things, like your future is not bright. You're just going to be one of those undercover kind of like you look average, but in reality you're below average. All right, man, this was a long episode. I wasn't expecting it to be <laughs> this long and the outline even longer. We, we could have gone for another hour easily, but let's, uh, let's cut it here. Rayvon, what are you working on right now? Uh, best ball piece on players I like. Uh, best ball, I'm going to do best ball strategy guides for e- for like the week, different week sizes because um, I know a lot of people are playing draft nowadays. So do some on the smaller leagues as, in addition to the 12 teamers and the, uh, and the 10 teamers. All right, Corner, what about you? What are you doing? Best ball tiers. So next week I'm going to start rolling out my tiers um, with quarterback and running back wide receiver tight end shortly behind. So hoping to get all those out in the next couple weeks. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, We obviously will have an episode next week. But till then, that is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. Please rate and review the show in iTunes for Sean and Chris. I am Matthew Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. See you again next episode. 